morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Morning, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. I'm doing well. I'm sitting in North Carolina where the snow is just about melted for the most part, so it, it, was, it was a very unusual sight of a, of a nice, crisp winter morning with snow on the ground here in North Carolina. And how about you? You're home. Your feet is planted in California again, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been on the road for a couple of weeks. I got to know Japan very well. But first, do you know this is our 198th show? Wow. We're going to hit 200 soon. We'll have to do some sort of celebration we're at 200. Gonna, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to have to like invite everybody over for champagne in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I like that idea, yes. <laughs> Virtual cocktail hour. <laughs> Virtual cocktail hour. So, so, yeah. so I think that's exciting. And some extraordinary hedonistic something or other for the um, <laughs> the show on the twenty seventh. That sounds like a plan. Yep. <laughs> so, how are you? What's going on? Well, it's been a, a busy but yet quiet time, right? So, I think so. We did a couple of tape shows for the last couple of events, so we have a lot of news updates that probably people are very interested in. So, we're going to go back a couple of weeks on the, the news side. So, I've been spending time catching up on that. But more so, I've been on the road, surprisingly. I, I've been doing a lot of presentations in Atlanta and in New York the last couple of weeks, sharing the data from the CR Theater that was launched in September and talking about what's happening in the HR technology space. But it's it's been an interesting time. I think that the market is shifting. We're starting to see people trying to decide, you know, whether this is the right time to spend money or whether it's time to hold off. You know, is the market going to stabilize at all? So I think people are looking for guidance and advice right now, John. And a lot of that leads to going out and doing presentations. So it's it's been nice. But but I'm home now, and we'll be taking two full weeks of vacation next week. That is my goal. <laughs> wow! And you're going to Disney World. I am to the what is it the most the, the happiest place in the world or something like that I think is the, the term. Yeah, I am going because I have nieces and nephews and uh, friends uh, children who have not had the opportunity to go where my mine are all grown and have gone. Um, and so we will enjoy the sights and sounds of Disney and Florida will hopefully be warmer than it is in North Carolina. So, <laughs> so that's our plan for the next couple of weeks. And how about you? I mean, uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about what happened in your exotic trips uh, around the world this week. Well, well, let's let's just leave it at, at the at the HR stuff. The, the the trip to Japan was transformative. We went to Kyoto at the height of the foliage in Japan's fall, um, and we were there for for a week, and it was. It was a week of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It was it was extraordinary. But more interestingly, from from the perspective of the business, um, I learned a lot about HR in Japan, and it's different. And it's different partly because in Japan, Japan Japan's national character was formed in in something like a constitution in in about 500 AD so 1500 years ago 1600 years ago and and the number one thing in their constitution is harmony huh. right, right the culture is designed to be harmonious so both Tokyo and Kyoto were the cleanest cities i've ever seen in Kyoto i was there for a week and walked probably 60 or 70 miles over the course of the week, I saw one piece of trash on the ground. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Now, 
Now, there's another thing that's happening besides this sort of everybody's nice um, um, in in the day-to-day existence. Um, there's a an aging thing going on in the culture. So um, there are way fewer young people than there are old people. And they're trying to figure out what you do about that. And at the same time, the Japanese live longer than anybody else in the world by many years. Um, and so, so they've got a, an older population that's going to be around a long time. And that means they need to learn how to figure out how to fold those people into work. Um, and so they are thinking really hard about a world that's different than anything anybody's ever lived in before. Um, and that is uh, something we need to pay attention to. The reason that the Japanese uh, population is shrinking is that they don't do immigration. Yeah. And if you look at the United States, the United States has only gone through immigration since 1970. Um, and so as we go through this nutcase political stuff where where immigration is some sort of a big deal football, what we're tampering with is our ability to grow. Um, and, and the Japanese are full square on in dealing with the fact that um, they can't grow without immigration. So, so it was really interesting to see that. It was really, really interesting to see that. There's no particular politics involved in those ideas. It's can you add more people because growth depends on having more people or not? Right? Do you want to grow or not? Uh, and, and, and what are the risks of growth and what are not? And what are the risks of not growing, right? Yep. yep. And so that's a big conversation that everybody that I talked to understood. And, and do you uh, think Japan is shifting its, its take on that? I mean, was that part of the, the, the conversation about HR? Or oh, do you well, think well, that... What's, it, what's interesting is it's really hard for them to do it. So they had a program, that, that they have a new program that was supposed to get 10,000 workers into the country this year. Um, um, lots of fanfare, big, big government projects. They were only able to actually get 420. Because yeah. um you can't become a you can't become a citizen. Yeah. There's no upward mobility. Um, um, the the culture, while very friendly and very gracious, doesn't make you a part. You're always a guest. Uh-huh. You're always a guest. The the culture itself is very um, concerned about not being degraded by uh, by external forces and so so their first attempts to open the gates didn't work yeah which which goes to show that just having the work and even good money in some respect isn't all that people are looking for people are looking for a home they're looking for a place where they can become part of something that's an interesting perspective as well right yeah yeah so so I could run this into a really, really awful political rant, but we have actual no, things to talk there. about, no. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, we don't need to go there. But I, but I think it, it, it's a, 
it's an interesting take on on when we think about HR and recruiting and the markets that we're in right now, and even companies, right? You know, um, are, are people having that same feeling about joining organizations and joining functions, right? I mean, that's a it's a really it's a, it's a sort of internal drive to feel like you belong to somewhere, right? Um, and that that impacts everything people make decisions about on some level. So, it's so there, are other, there are other things too. There are really interesting other things too, like. In general, Japanese ads for Company X's product always include some reference to what a great place to work it is because they talk about how great our company is. Our great company is happy to provide you this new coffee cup, you know, is, 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 how, is how people talk about their companies. People are very proud of the places that they work, like to be part of it. and so. So a lot of the ideation behind employment employment branding um, in the States doesn't really apply there. Mm-hmm. And then, then the attrition rates in Japanese companies are, the annual attrition rate in most Japanese companies is around 4%. Wow. In the, in the, it's just 20, right? And so, so the United States has sort of, per capita, five times as many jobs to fill, um, and, and everybody changes jobs every three and a half years. So, so the volume of, of data associated with job changes is significantly different in the United States. And a lot of the technology that we see in the United States is oriented towards um, solving that particular problem. So it, the talk that I gave, I, I went to Japan to give a talk, and the talk that I gave was about how HR technology is oriented to solve the problem of the culture that it's, that it's sourced from. And, and if your culture is solving a different problem set, you probably don't want to directly deploy the ideas from somewhere else. Yeah. That's it. And that's, that's a big issue for anyone who's trying to think about a global enterprise HR system, right? That's right. That's right. Because the same thing is true in, in, in India or Singapore or um, Africa or Eastern Europe or South America. What the problems that people are trying to solve are different in each of those places. And, and we design technology to solve specific market problems. In HR tech, and in some cases, we design tech, technology in HR tech to specifically deal with problems just in California, not even across the entire United States. So, I think it's a challenge that we definitely have to address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's in the mailbag? It was anyhow. It was a great trip. I recommend visiting Japan to anybody who can figure out how to do it. It was just so eye-opening. Having seen your pictures a bit on 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 the the Facebook um, environment, I was I will have to say I, I had never really thought about Japan as a place to go visit. And I was like, this is, you kind of have to at some point. One of those bucket list things. Now I will say you've turned it into for me because they were absolutely gorgeous. So uh, yeah, we have a lot of stuff in the mailbag though. I mean, it, and and some that actually deals a little bit with what are you talking about. One of them is you know, um, Paycheck um, has recently been putting out their own sort of 
um, market industry sort of information, particularly for small, small business employment. And they call it the market, Small Business Employment Watch, similar to what we see ADP do with the global market and their global numbers on sort of employment and unemployment. So we have some updates from their report, which I think is sort of interesting and fits well with what you're talking about. Um, there's a Slack app um, has now been integrated uh, in a much more um, uh, direct way with AltiPro, and so we can probably talk a little bit about what AltiPro is doing with the Slack app and how that collaboration is working. Um, this happened about, about two weeks ago. Virgin Pulse acquired um, a wellness company called Simply Well, which puts them a little bit more, I think, in the services space. And so a little bit of conversation about, you know, are the technologies really going to be able to get away from doing some level of service um, environment? And then um, we definitely want to get to a couple of things happening in the sort of the non-HR, but yet connected to the HR space. Adobe debuted their government ID authentication for Adobe Sign, and that's going to have some pretty big impact on um, identity uh, checking um, applications. Um, and Salesforce is hiring its first ethical and humane, not human, but humane, use of youth officer to make sure its artificial intelligence isn't used for evil. That was a, a headline that just jumped out at me the other day. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, and then there's some things that Google's doing to um, really connect themselves to what's happening in the, in the ERP or the enterprise market. Uh, so Google just hired a former Oracle executive, Thomas Curran, uh, to run their new cloud business. Um, and they're launching their hire by Google out of uh, beta. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. I don't know we'll get through it all today, but I thought at the very least, maybe we could talk a little bit about how what you were just talking about um, and the idea that, you know, things like what's happening in a, in a market and, and hiring and, and uh, whether or not a market is growing or not growing um, has a telling impact on whether or not businesses can keep running. Um, we can start with paycheck conversation. So paycheck, small business employment watch is basically showing that the labor market is continuing to um, be challenging. Small business job declined for the sixth consecutive month um, while we're also seeing the uh, low rate of job growth along with the fact that the hourly uh, wage growth has increased slightly in the SMB. So basically what we're seeing is that we're seeing more people being hired a little bit higher uh, price point but we are starting to see that small businesses are basically being hurt a little bit by the, the lack of skills and capabilities that are available out in the market and that there, there's some uh, decline in that job creation because of that. So what do you think about someone like uh, Paycheck sharing its data and aggregate level in this way, John? Do you think this is, this is valuable for organizations trying to make sense of what's happening in the market? I think it remains to be seen. I, I love the people with paychecks, and they certainly have an enormous amount of data. It's not clear to me that they figured out what they're saying yet. Um, um, so, so we don't know what it means because we don't have history yet. Yeah. Um, we we don't know what their findings mean, but but what they what they seem to be saying is that that there's a um, a, a difference in the way that the small, the medium market is behaving versus the large scale market. Um, but it doesn't look like they've got a grip on why, right? They've got a grip on what? They've got a grip on what, but they don't, but they don't understand why. And, and so, so that's, you know, you know, the big, the big operations that have this sort of data have, deep analytics strength behind the data. 
Um, and so this is this is early times for their thing. It's exciting to see it. Um, it's really interesting to try to figure out why there is some divergence between uh, the smalls and the bigs. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I I was when when Patrick started talking about doing this, I was I was you know, I was all in favor of it because I think the idea now on the market is aggregating that data and getting it out there and showing people that there is different ways of viewing the various data sets um, that these organizations have. But I but I would agree. I think that the next step for them is to probably take this and, and put some some information around it around what is the next step you do with this information? Where do I take this and how does it compare on some level? Now that takes a whole level of uh, different sort of um, investment in this kind of aggregation and analysis. And, I, and I'm not sure that there, as you said, you know, you need almost a year's worth of data to say whether this compares to last year. Right? And they've just been doing this for, for a couple of quarters now. Um, but I think it's a good direction for them. I think they probably need to add to it and add investment in this area. But we've seen that ADP's become sort of the voice, uh, even their data is seen and viewed as, as more important in some cases than, you know, the, the U.S. labor statistic data. Um, so I think, you know, from a small business perspective, Paycheck could very well have the voice of the small businesses when it comes to what's happening in the market right there in their palm, um, which might be better than anything else we could get from any other research source. So I think it's powerful, yeah. So, so let, me, let me interrupt for a second because, you know, we've got this great sponsor, Benefit Ed, and um, I want to tell you a little bit about Benefit Ed, and they've got, they've got this ad. Looking for a new way to attract and engage top talent? Add student loan repayment to your benefits lineup. Benefit Ed makes it easy to offer this in-demand benefit any time of year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. With programs to help pay down student loans or save for college, Benefit Ed helps meet education goals of employees at any life stage. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. And we're really delighted that they're sponsoring the shows. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing that they're doing. Please to check out youbenefited.com slash hrtech. Back to the show, Stacey. Yeah. The other thing, you know, I think it's sort of, Leaping off of the idea of, of where organizations are taking the aggregate data from a research perspective, the other side of this is how are organizations, from a technology perspective, ensuring their applications, their technology is working inside of the place where organizations are doing their work. Um, and that, I think, comes back to the LC Pro announcement that they are now building a, a pretty deep um, integration with Slack app. So Slack is the sort of... Um, antithesis of the other side of what people are using from a social and collaboration tool that is supposed to be the killer of email. I haven't yet seen it completely kill email in most organizations, but it does a pretty good job of being sort of an instant communication tool that is captured and structured in some way where you can go out and sort of do collaboration and conversation. Um, but from what I understand from what AltiPro is doing is they are now building in a, a way that, um, for example, if someone says, you know, great job on doing something in Slack, they can, uh, that note can be automatically sent to AltiPro without having to go back into AltiPro to um, sort of add it to the person's performance management process or add it to some sort of a element within their sort of, um, you know, uh, organizational sort of um, 
profile, uh, a couple of other things like PTO requests, those type of things can also be automatically sent through. Um, and so this, you know, we've seen this with other technologies, but this idea that the technology is merging, you know, you're going to do the work where you're at from a, from a personal productivity perspective is growing more and more, and we're seeing more of this happening. It, any thoughts on, on you know, UltiPro? Are they, are they late to this game, or is this, is this a little bit different, do you think, from what everybody else is doing? Oh, I think, I think they're right on time. I think they're right on time. Um, the, the idea, it, the, this is a big shift that doesn't look like it at first. Huh. The idea that enterprise HR tech companies don't need to be the user interface, that their job isn't to be isn't to be the user interface. That the user interface can be wherever people work. That's a really, really deep and powerful idea. You you know you might remember that we spent um, a big chunk of time in the industry talking about systems of engagement. Yeah. And and that idea that the idea of systems of engagement, which was nonsense. Um, um, was that somehow going to the place where you where you entered your time for your paycheck um, was supposed to be the source of engagement for you in the company? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's like you looked at that idea. And it was it was somebody, some some famous um, um, analyst. Must have been not quite awake the night they copied that, copied and pasted that off of someplace on the internet because it was a silly idea. What you really need is for people to be able to not have to leave their work to do their administrative chores, and and so so I think this is just the beginning. I mean, why would you ever want somebody to spend time except somebody who's in charge of administering it or or looking at the data from it but if you're if you are an employee the the idea that the idea that that the interface has to be good is nonsense what you need is for the functionality to exist in the place where people work and so this is one of the great things and it's just starting just starting, just yeah. starting. i'll push back a little bit on you because i do think that that there are places and times where the HR technology will be in the front and, and, and part of it. But I think it's only if HR technology makes itself part of how work gets done, right, and not the other way around. And so that you ha- it can't be that you're leaving it to go fill something out. It has to be that it is in the process of work getting accomplished within the organization. But I get what you're saying completely. There are things emerging that, that, that are ways of getting work done that, have HR overtones, but they also have operations overtones. They're not pure HR systems. Um, well, and our next article is pretty much along those lines. So Virgin Pulse is sort of building itself out as the communications platform, right, for a lot of organizations. Uh, they recently acquired a um, workplace wellness company called Simply Well. Um, and Virgin Pulse has built a whole brand around the idea that they're going to have an application where you go when you have any kind of conversation about your wellness, your health, your uh, benefits you have in the organization, the communication you need in your organization. And is that, do you think that's still too separate from, from the operations side of the conversation with something like that as well? No, that's a, it's, it's sort of 
it's sort of separate, though you got to wonder if it's a fad that that organizations are are spending their time mucking around in the personal data of of their employees to make their employees uh, quote healthier <laughs> you know I, um, but but this is this is I, I don't know how do you think about this this is like the organizational <laughs> spa um, it is. It is. It is simply well. I mean, they're 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 going to give access to what they call condition management, right? Which is the ability to sort of oversee and 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 some services around that. Um, Twenty-two identical con- you know conditions like heart disease, diabetes, obesity. You know, and this condition management will allow you to have sort of access to coaching and different services and different offerings, right? In this sort of end it. So yeah, it's it's. It, is that where you do you want your work environment to be managing that for you? Well, it could be a perk, right? A benefit that that you wouldn't otherwise go out and get individually, right? So, and Virgin Pulse is banking on the fact that if you do enough things that are good for me, then you'll come and use my application and, and get the HR stuff you need to, right? Uh, so, so I wonder about this. I mean, my healthcare provider provides all of this stuff. I have. 21st century healthcare at Kaiser Permanente, um, but I get all this stuff from the healthcare provider, and I I don't really want to be doing this at work. I don't I don't I don't, I don't really want my employer to know to know these things about me. Um, and 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 I don't think they're allowed to ask. Um, and and so and so so this is this is a this is a privacy question that we're talking about here and and the the arena is not very clear about it um and there certainly is a, a land rush of people who are providing um intrusive personal experiences on the job yep. um, um you know from mindfulness to I don't know what's what would from mindfulness to forgetfulness, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, it. You're right. I, 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 on that front, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it is a bit of a. It has to be managed very carefully. But on the other hand, um, you know, in talking to my my children, you know, the next generation of of the workforce, right? My my 24 year old and my 19 year old, they sort of expect that a lot of this stuff will come from the NCs like their universities and their new work environment. So I, I think as much as me and you sort of shy away from this, um, it may not be, you know, because, you know, who would have ever thought your phone company would be your primary service for getting music, you know, 20 years ago. And now today, all of us are, are you know, my, my primary service is, is the place I used to buy, you know, tchotchkes on Amazon, right, where I get my music from. And so these are things that, um, you know, might be changing how people think about them and who should be, you know, providing that kind of service to them. Is it my health care? Well, if I'm, you know, if all of my doctors are in a single Kaiser um, Permanente environment, that makes sense. But if I'm a, a person maybe who's moving a lot and I'm not going to be at the same doctor's mm-hmm. lot, does it make sense maybe to uh, to get it in, a, in another location? So completely get what you're saying, but um, yeah, I, think I think we, we have to things out, and, and and I get your point that that there may be a generational difference, but there's also, um, you, you know, relationships with employers are getting shorter. Yeah. 
um, and and um, I'm not sure that the expectations match when you when you expect the employer to behave as if you're going to be there forever and you're only going to be there for three or four years. Um, um, we're we're going to see a lot of churn as these concepts sort themselves out, I guess. Well, and it kind of leads to, to probably the, the last conversation we have time to talk about, which is Salesforce hiring its first ethical and humane youth officer to make sure its artificial intelligence isn't used for evil. So this is, this is such an amazing headline, first of all. So let me say that <laughs> to the guy who wrote it. But secondly, I mean, this is, this is big news. I don't know that at least in the news front we've heard someone sort of make news about hiring someone just for the purposes of making sure that the artificial intelligence isn't used for evil. But do you know other organizations who are doing this, John? No, but it's a coming thing. It's a coming thing, and it's a very tricky thing, right? Because, because nobody, well, it's probably not true that nobody, that we're, we're in a world where, where, where it's obvious that, that people do use this stuff with ill intent, but generally speaking, you don't walk into a startup and find people designing stuff to be unethical. Everybody's sure that they're not. Right, everybody's really sure that they're not, and so the so the problem with a job like this is you're dealing with people who are sure that they're not doing something unethical, and 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 we don't have you know I spent I spent a lot of work in the latest report talking about what the real ethical issues are, and it's it's a complicated bunch of stuff that's not obvious. It's not obvious where where artificial intelligence starts to do things that are squirrely because we generally have a very limited view of the world in the team that's building the the AI. And so seeing the unintended consequences, which is where the, the ethical problems are always in the unintended consequences, that, that I'd love to talk to this person. You know, a job where your job is to see unintended consequences and make sure that they don't happen. That's like, it's like an impossible job. Well, well, I, you know, so, so give an example, because I, I don't think people realize what you're talking about, of, of places where, where, where there's a, an ethical issue or an ethical line that, that we're starting to maybe step over that we haven't really thought about. Because I mean, you're, you're mentioning you, the idea that, yeah. We're going to have to put that as the horse is about to jump over the cliff, and we'll pick that up in the next, next, in the next okay. conversation. <laughs> yeah, because that's a it's a it's a long conversation, long conversation. And, yeah. and and I would like to actually take a little bit of time to prepare for that because it's a, a, it's a complicated um, and subtle. Well, let's plan next week. We'll we'll come back to this topic because I think it's well worth. Um, having a, a second conversation about. So we'll start off next week's conversation talking a little bit more about this idea of a ethical and humane youth officer. Is it feasible? Can you do it? Is this sort of the same thing as having a diversity officer, right? If you put it in place, but you don't do anything else, does that does that uh, change the dynamic? So there's a lot of questions here, but I, I love this uh, conversation. And I think next week we'll, we'll have some fun getting into it. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to that, Stacy. So we'll be talking to you on vacation somehow, and, and and that'll be a lot of fun. We'll have to listen to all of the 
the children screaming on the ride in the background. <laughs> That's right in the background. Well, well, we'll try and find a corner where we where we can get some work done. And but um, but I but yes, you might find uh, hear children howling or or uh, some laughter in the background. But I, but that's a, a fun way to wrap up here. We've got a few more uh, sessions before we get into 2019. I can't believe we're going to be there already. You know, a few more weeks, and we're there. Yep. So great. So so thank you so much, Stacy. This is always a lot of fun. And thank you, youbenefited.com/slash/hrtech for sponsoring the show. You've been to HR Tech One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.